Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 57 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next, I want to say, 25 to 30 minutes. And our guest today will be Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM NHL Radio Network and NHL.com. Before we get there, and by the way, thanks, Mike Ross, for that fine intro. And before we get going, let me remind you this. Week 2 of football is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 3 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, to kick off another action-packed week. Here we go. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly. Not tomorrow, not next week. Instantly, when they bet $1 on any football game, listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a bet of $1 on any Week 3 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your area, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this? This is the call to action. And remember the code. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. What is it? Is it THPN? You are correct. And you will see $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet in any football game. The promo code is THPN. Is that correct? Let me check. It's THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, now to the hockey story. Oh, I love this time of the year. Training camp is open. Wednesday, they had the medicals and the media stuff. Thursday, on the ice for the first time in true groups and everybody out there working to try and figure out what the chemistry is to make the team so much up in the air for a team that really has its core straightened away. Obviously, the top four forwards are going to do what they can do, and that is really good offensive play. And the defense is pretty solid, too. And then you've got a new goalie tandem. You've got this open audition for these jobs on the left side and third and fourth line trying to figure themselves out and new assistant coaches so this is uh, i'm not going to say a reboot but certainly there's a lot of new elements on this leafs team here is the conversation i had with dave mccarthy from sirius xm nhl radio network and nhl.com dave let's uh, just do like an overview on camp to start this off i mean there's, there's so much new about this team which i find refreshing and then you've got a bunch of guys auditioning on the left side. Uh, you've got a new goaltending tandem that has to find its way. Defense is pretty well status quo, most respects. Um, and new assistant coaches. Which one do you like the best? Well, it's funny, and I, I'm with you. A lot of stuff is new on this team, but you wouldn't have thought that way based on what the the, the message was, what the, the 
discussion was about on Wednesday when they opened up. Uh, by and large, the conversation was still about uh, what happened last year. How do you learn from it? How do you get past that? How do you make sure you don't overlook the regular season? Um, it was still very much focused on on what happened last year, and I think that's understandable. Uh, and I think that represents what is going to be a significant challenge for this team throughout the regular season is to find a way to make sure they don't overlook the regular season because as much as everybody wants to get to the playoffs, that is not a guarantee this year. Like it, you know, was, it would have been fairly safe to, to make that bet at the beginning of last year and the Leafs would have found their way into the top four of the North Division. You can't make that bet, I don't think, confidently that they'll be within the top three of the Atlantic or find a way into a wild card in what is not just a competitive Atlantic division, but also a competitive Eastern Conference. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. And I was a little bit struck by that, you know, how much the conversation still was looking back on last year. It wasn't, well, how are you going to replace Josh Hyman? Uh, is, you know, Nick Robertson going to be a big part of this team? What are you doing on the bottom pairing of your blue line? That really wasn't um, much of a topic of conversation, which, you know, I think could be a good and a bad thing. Like I said, bad because, uh, it, it is difficult, I think, to, to find a way to make sure you don't get crippled by the expectations of last year, but, but also good in a way to think, well, okay, look, the worst has already happened. You can't possibly do worse than you did last year. And even if you don't make the playoffs, I think the blowback won't be as significant as it was this past year after the collapse against Montreal. It'll be more of a sense of, of, acceptance, I think, Jim, where people will say, okay, look, you know, like this was, was needing a bit of a change of face uh, and a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a difference, so to speak. So I think there will be more reservation to to failure this year than there will be outrage. So if you're a player, if you're the coaching staff, you're the management, if you can say, okay, well, the worst is over, now let's, let's just let loose, put our best foot forward play without maybe a lot of pressure and see what we can make happen here. You know, I, I may want to challenge you on the outrage. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, or even if they do, and they go out in the same fashion they did last year, I think there would be a major unrest here, and, and I think that there would have to be heavy-duty casualties. I think the unrest would would actually go over the over the top if, if they didn't have heavy casualties. What do you think about that? Well, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I think it'll be more because I'll put it this way: if if they don't make the playoffs this year, or they go out again weekly in the first round, and they don't make some significant changes, and they try to run the band back together yet again, yeah. I mean, what what are we doing here, right? Like, how many times do you need to have it proved to you you're not going to win with the with the constitution of this roster as it is? before you decide to reallocate some resources. So uh, I think it goes without saying that there will be some significant change, which which is to say that I think from the, the, the standpoint of the fan base, it goes back to my point being, okay, well, people aren't going to be outraged. They're going to be like, well, see, we told you. The outrage was, was this offseason, and, you know, clearly now it's time to make a change. Well, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll see what yeah. happens. But but I, I do think the, the worst of the outrage, regardless of the result this season, uh, will have been dealt with and seen already this offseason. 
what I kind of like is, just as an overview, and we'll get into the specifics shortly, but as an overview, you've got a bunch of guys auditioning on the left side, pretty good jobs on the left side, especially on the top two lines. Uh, you've got a goaltending tandem trying to figure out its way, and you've got a, a, a defenseman in Morgan Riley that has a real opportunity to make a name for himself this year, not only in the NHL, but also in the Olympic competition on Team Canada. So what what I like, if you put all that stuff together, you've got people that have to not prove themselves, but, but have an opportunity to make a name for themselves. And, and that fits all the descriptions or all the areas that I, I just mentioned. I, I like that component on this team. I I do like that, too. Um, even John Tavares came out and uh, yesterday said, and I was a little bit shocked by the candor, but he was asked, you know, how, how much are you focusing on Team Canada? How much would you like to be a part of that program? Because, remember, he was a part of that program in 2014 and then got hurt in the tournament and, and did not get to play um, down the stretch in the medal round. And he said, really badly, really badly, I want to be a part of that team. And that, that was interesting to me because I really haven't heard many people even mention his name this time around. So he's dialed in, focused on that. Um, in addition to what he dealt with last year during the playoffs, he didn't get to participate in, in the league's first round by and large last year either. So he's really motivated. Morgan Riley, absolutely motivated. Not only that, but a contract here as well. If he can go out and play well at the beginning of the season, he wasn't quite as overt. Um, he said, I'm just trying to focus day by day, and I play well enough. And, um, you know, I'm doing what I, I need to be doing or should be doing for this Maple Leaf team. Team Canada will take care of itself, um, but there's reason for him to, to play well and to get himself into that conversation. Hey, he'd love to be a part of Team Canada. Let's not kid ourselves here. And if he does that and, and plays well enough to be a part of Team Canada, come uh, contract time next year, whether it's with Toronto or uh, with another team on the open market, I think regardless of how the playoffs transpire, um, it's going to be, you know, folks, I want my eight and a half, nine million bucks a year on a long-term deal, and I think you get it. So he's really motivated. Um, Mitch Marner can throw in that, that, that group as well. William Nylander would like to be a big part of Sweden. I think, quite frankly, uh, he was the best player the least had in the playoffs last year. So now it's, okay, well, can we see that guy again a little bit more consistently um, this summertime? Austin Matthews goes without saying he'd like to be a big part of Team USA. So there's a number of guys where there's a lot on the line, not just in terms of what they're able to get done with the Maple Leafs, but if they play well enough individually, which would help the Maple Leafs, but also help themselves as well um, to, to really dial in and cement their own resumes uh, with opportunities at the international level. Uh, probably the, the least talked about story is the new assistant coaches. That means yet another fresh look at the power play. And for whatever reason, very disappointing as as the season wore on. It started out great. We all know that story. And by the time they got into the playoffs, the power play was was a zero. It just it just didn't add anything at all. So this will be the fourth guy who tries to solve this. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, you're right. And let me just also throw into that previous question, Peter Mrazek for Jack and Jack Campbell for USA as well. Right. They'd like yeah. to be part. You know, so there's there's the net landing aspect of that as well. But no, you're right. Like the power play is going to need to be. Um, yeah, like worlds better than it was last year. It was not just a non-factor. It actually worked against them um, in the second half of the season into the playoffs. Like I, 
I, I don't know, at times I was, you know, thinking, man, is this football? Can, can Sheldon Keith decline the penalty? Because <laughs> they they had a better chance to score at even strength than they did on the power play. And it was just really strange, given how much ability and talent they had. But I think what really started to work against them is, um, look, it's what Mike Babcock said all the time. Um, the other team is trying to feed their family as well. And guess what? Uh, the Leafs became predictable, I think, on the power play. And the other team scouted that, and they all got the penalty killers into the meeting room or Zoom or whatever they did last year before they played the Maple Leafs and said, okay, boys, here's how it goes. They're going to get it to the point. Uh, they're going to get it down to the, uh, the left dot, to Marner, and he's going to try to go across to Matthews. So clog up the middle. If that doesn't work, he's going to get it back to Riley, and he's going to try to drop it down to Matthews. So that's really the only two things that they tried to do on that power play. They really rarely worked it down low behind the net. They really rarely worked it into the middle of the ice. Um, and it, they just became very stale and stagnant. Um, and I think that's going to be priority number one for Spencer Carberry, who, who is being tasked with the responsibility of reinventing their power play this year. Is, and, I, and it's not just this passing. The year before that, the power play wasn't really all that good either um, under, uh, under McFarland. They need to find a way to become unpredictable where you really don't know what they're trying to do. Um, you look at Tampa Bay last year during the playoffs. Like, they had five options out there uh, to try to score, and they were always moving. Uh, they weren't just slotted in to their position on the ice like it's, like it's, you know, that, that old, old-timey slot hockey game where everybody just came there. You know, that doesn't work. Tampa Bay, there was movement all over the place. Braden Point was popping in and out of the middle of the ice. Alex Kalorn was jumping out from the, uh, the top of the crease to behind the net. And, like, there was, was you could never really set and dial in. It became very difficult to handle. Um, I think, I think honestly, uh, job number one is to introduce an element of unpredictability to that power play. There's more than enough talent uh, for them to score. And because of that, uh, you know, the old, the old line for the Maple Leafs was our power play is our toughness. Well, uh, it wasn't very tough last year. Yeah, I mean, it struggled going back to Babcock when he had Jim Hiller there. I mean, it still didn't work. There were, there were, I mean, and, and the one thing that, that's consistent along the way was when it didn't work, it didn't matter who the power play coach was, it always looked the same. In other words, there was no, nothing happening. It was stagnant. It was predictable. There was no adjustment. It was like they were reading from a playbook that didn't work. Yes. 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 And, and like I said, do you not think the other teams know that by now? Of oh, course they sure. Do. Yeah. You know, so that's that's why um, you know it's like again to use the football reference. Um, if if you know what play is coming, it becomes a lot easier to stop if you're on defense. Well, same thing goes to the power play, and really the 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 format has been by and large the same for the last two or three seasons with the Leafs power play. Um, you know, if they're not going to change it up, then they're they're doomed for failure yet again this year. I don't care how skilled the guys are. It just became too predictable to me. I remember sitting in the press box in the 18-19 season telling, you know, having this conversation with, with colleagues. It's just like, look, here it comes. Yep, oh, there it is. Yep, oh, here it comes. Yeah. Oh, there it is. And, you know, it really hasn't changed since, since then. 
Yeah, it's that neutral zone drop pass for the steamboat count. Doesn't really work. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, well, just quickly on that, I mean, that, I know gets a lot of people hurt, and um, I, I get it, but that's more just on gaining entry into the zone. Once you get in the zone, what are you doing then? Like, if that was to get you across the blue line without having to give up possession of puck, I'm okay with that. But it's once you're, you're set up, then what tricks do you have in your playbook? And, and that's where I go back to saying um, the, the playbook, the, the book of tricks, is pretty limited. Yeah, it's almost like they dropped their data card at home plate and the other team got yeah. it. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it's almost like that. It's not exactly like that. But anyway, let's move on. I just I find that what's intriguing for me is you're looking for the, the positive push on this team. And I think we leave the top four forwards out because we know what they're capable of until we get to the playoffs, and that's another issue. But we're just going to push that to the side. So we talked about, you know, the emerging goaltending tandem and all those guys trying to fight for two or three jobs on the left side. And they are impressive jobs because of who they're going to be on the left side of. But having said that, I'm going to circle Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and Ingvall. And if any one of those three guys takes a giant leap forward, this is a very positive story. Yes. Um, I would expect Ilya Mikheyev to take that step. Um, he wants a bigger role. Um, okay, that's good. I, I want guys on my team, if I'm a coach or a manager, who are not satisfied with being in lower roles. I want them to strive for more. Good. But now you have to give me a reason to put you on the ice more often. That comes the other part of it. Um, he spoke today and said, well, now it just comes down to working hard, and, and that's easy for me, working hard. And, and I kind of agree with that. You know, working hard is a skill that, quite frankly, not everybody has. Um, if, if it was easy, if, if everybody did it, it wouldn't matter. But there are some guys who just, quite frankly, have a better answer than others. Zach Hyman was one of those guys. He just worked harder than everybody else every time he was on the ice. And that's why he's got his career to the point that um, he, he commanded the deal that he did in free agency. So um, I, I think Ely McKayev is, is trying to take a step forward. Let's see it now. If he's just going to say, I want the opportunity, but doesn't give Sheldon people reason to put him on the ice more, well, that's only that's only one part of the equation. Um, I still go back to what I think, uh, what we talked about maybe month, two months ago, that, that Ely, or I should say Alex Kerfoot and Peter Engvall, um, they're the same guy. One of those two guys um, will, will should be around moving forward, and the other guy, they should find a way to move on from, because I think they play... Uh, a similar role. I think Elia Mikheyev, quite frankly, for the or again Pierre Engvall for the for the, uh, the contract that he has um, and the size that he has, if he could just decide to play, because we've seen it in in spurts every so often. It seems like he's shown up to the rink in a bad mood, and and when he does that, and the size that he has, he can really pretty much do whatever the heck it is he wants to do on the ice. Uh, and he's got uh, that speed as well. Uh, I think, again, he is at a crossroads in his career where he can really put himself in a position to command a nice deal moving forward once this contract is up, and I believe this is the final year of his deal. Um, you know, or he can just slide into mediocrity to be just sort of just a guy, right, where you'll yeah. use him to fill out a run. 
just fill out a roster. I, I think you've got the skill set. Size, jump on the whole package, put it together. I think he can become a really effective player. And um, if that's the case, then I don't really see a role for Alex Kerfoot because I think they'll play similar roles. I think uh, Engvall could be uh, a guy that plays in that third-line center role. I think he's a guy that could help you on your penalty kill, um, all of that. Um, if that's going to be the case, where do you put Kerfoot? I think you've got better options on the wing. Um, with a guy like you, like you don't want to box Nick Robertson out, Jim, if he shows that he is in a position where he demands to be put on the ice. Um, and, and if Nick Ritchie can, can use his side to his advantage, um, and like, like Bunting as well, I think they project as better options as puck retrieving wingers than a guy like Alex Kerfoot would be. So that's sort of how I see it playing out between those three guys that, that you just brought up. Well, since you brought up Nick Robertson, I mean, this is this is sort of the way I look at this. Because of the numbers of those guys auditioning on the left side, if you had one that exceeded your expectations, it would just take this team somewhere else. And, and I always circle Nick Robertson because everybody has sort of slotted in uh, the new guys that they brought in from other teams in those roles. But if you've got somebody from within who could, you know, jump up on that roster and, and knock somebody down in terms of a guy like Rick, Nick Robertson takes somebody's job, that's a yeah. huge advantage to the Leafs. Well, it is. It is. Because, look, at the end of the year, I always look back at, at teams that, that had good seasons, went on a decent run, and honestly, Jim, invariably, I can pick out uh, a guy or two at minimum on a roster where I say, man, at the beginning of the season, they just, it's not that they had low expectations for this guy. They had no expectations for this guy. And suddenly you turn around and he's just, he, he, he demands to be put on the ice because of how well he's played. Um, yep. Ross Holt was one of those guys for Tampa Bay last year. And Nick Robertson projects, uh, he projects as one of those guys for Toronto because he's, he's not just a skill set that can earn a job and be a guy in the NHL. I think he can be an excellent player in the NHL. He's got um, the, the, the skill set, he's got the speed, he's got an elite level caliber shot, um, but man, does he have an engine. Like like Haley Wickenheiser during the development camp was saying, we, we talked to him about dialing it back a little bit, and uh, Nick turned around and said, well, you know, it's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, I appreciate her advice, and I, I, I totally understand what she's saying. But he said, look, I'll dial it back when I know where I stand in my career. And if anything, I've dialed it up even more to to force myself into the lineup of the way he trained in the offseason, the way he ate, uh, his sleep patterns. Like, he is, he is to use the, the you know, uh, expression, dialed in on every aspect of his life to make himself the best that he can be. And the only negative about that is you just hope he doesn't cripple himself by the routine and by the obsession with the detail. I, I'm all for routine, but, um, you know, I, I always said, look, if, if it comes down to the point where you have to park in the same spot every day and if someone happens to be in your parking spot that night, um, and because of that, you're thrown off and you, you're just no good that night, well, that's no good. 
But as long as he can use all that determination and that detail and channel it toward good and, and, and incorporate Haley's advice where it's like, okay, look, learn where you can just take a breath here and there. I have um, a great deal of confidence that this guy, he's not going to let himself uh, be, be turned aside. He trained with his brother uh, last uh, this summer in the offseason, Jason at Alex Stars, who was a Calder, uh, Calder Trophy runner-up. And um, he said, look, my brother's a bigger guy than I am. So a lot of what we did, um, I was having him lean on me. I was having him hack and whack and flash and haul me down. So I could fight through all that. Um, and he said I was helping him with his shot. So, like, there was a, a symbiotic relationship there uh, there between the two brothers. But this guy has done everything he possibly can to put himself in the spot. And Kyle Dubas said yesterday he has no preconceived notions right now on where Nick Robertson will end up, whether it's with the Marlies, whether it's with the Maple Leafs. He said if he plays well enough, bulldozes his way into the lineup, he starts the season with the Maple Leafs. It's up to him. So um, we'll see what he decides to do. But he is a guy that I think could really turn himself into a guy that at the end of the year, you look back, one of those guys where there were really minimal to no expectations. By the end of the year, he's a big part of the team. Well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name four names, and there are much more auditioning for the jobs, but Bunting, Richie, Robertson, and Kasha. I mean, of those four players, I don't think it's, it's unrealistic to think that one of them could be a perfect fit and have a great season. I, I don't think that's much of a stretch. No, and then there's Nikita Gusev as well, who's in camp on a PTO, and, and Josh Hosang, where really who knows what you're going to get out of him. Um, you know, I, I am not uh, high, quite frankly, on either player, because I, you know, I, Gusev and Hosang, I don't think they've got, they, they can, they've got all the talent in the world, but they just don't play a complete enough game for me um, to, to put them on the ice in the third round of the playoffs when games are on the line. So, you know, we'll see. I, I don't see it with them. With with uh, with Bunting and Richie, um, I know Rick Hawkins was very high on Bunting from what he saw uh, out of uh, the Coyotes last year when he was the head coach. Uh, Rick Hawkins is a guy that, let's be honest, likes his team to play a heavier game. And yeah. the, the Coyotes, by and large, um, and they were soft, let's put it nicely. But when they called Bunting up, he was a guy that had size and showed a willingness to go to the front of the net and mix it up. Any, any surprise why Rick Tarkett kept putting him on the ice? So if he can keep doing that in Toronto, that will be a, a valuable component to this team that they have in short supply right now, especially with Zach Hyman going out the door. Nick Ritchie, same goes for him. Andre Kasha, I don't know. Like He's got to find a way to stay healthy. If he does, okay, he's going to be a skilled guy, uh, but what else is he going to bring your lineup? Will, will you play him in the top six? Like, could he could he play on a second line with John Tavares? Uh, you know, will you be later? Maybe, maybe. And then could you have Bunting on your third line um, to, to add an element of, of grit and, and, and physicality with a little bit of offense as well? That, that's possible. And then with Nick Ritchie, to solidify a spot between uh, or alongside Matthews and Marner, oh, then maybe you have something there. Uh, and then you, you look at the bottom of the lineup with Engwall and Simmons. 
And, uh, you know, and then you look at Jason Spezzo on the fourth line. I still think a guy like Curtis Gabriel should be in the mix for this team on the fourth line. Um, you know, and then whomever it is on the fourth line left wing, whether that's Robertson or, or somebody else. Uh, you know, that's sort of how I see it shaping up right now. But, you know, we put it this way. We, we go back to all these guys they brought in, and they've, they've gone through a similar playbook the last two or three years. Because of the situation that's been in Jim from the Cavs standpoint, where they brought in a bunch of guys every single year on uh, short-term low-money deals, hoping that one of them, if not two of them, will hit. And really, other than Spezza, none of them have. It's about time that, that somebody starts to hit this year, and at least they're going to need it to be good. Well, all I'm going to say is those numbers suggest it should be one if it's two. Uh, that is uh, that's parade worthy. I just want to end on this. The way you described McKay reminded me of, of how we would have described Zach Hyman when he first showed up with the Leafs. Now this guy, uh, because the roster was thin, wound up in a top six role many times early in his Leaf career. Now he couldn't match. Uh, he didn't have the offensive skill, so he, he sort of didn't fit originally in a top six role. But he turned himself into that guy, and that's really the challenge for McKay, isn't it? What is? I, like, McCann's got, he's got all the speed in the world. He, he can certainly keep up with the guys up the lineup. Um, but the question is, for him, to me, when I watched him early in his career, it seemed like he was going a million miles an hour, but didn't really get anything done. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you remember, like, Jason Blake during his Leafs career? It always seemed like he was going a million miles an hour. But he never got anything done. So yeah. there's man. It's working, and it works Zach, smart, not hard. Exactly, exactly. And Zach Hyman probably wasn't the fat. I mean, not probably. Definitely is not the fastest guy uh, in the league by any stretch. But he really zeroed in uh, and dialed in uh, what his game is all about and where he needs to go on the ice in order to have success. So, you know, he was never out there trying to beat guys one-on-one in the neutral zone. If he ended up with a puck in the neutral zone, let's dump it in and go get it back. Um, if, if Matthews or Marner were tearing the puck through the neutral zone, which they're more than capable of doing, Zach Hyman's uh, first job was to get his ass to the front of the net to create, uh, to create chaos and drag defenders with him to the front of the net. It's not to hang out on the left wing for a drop pass. To, to weave his way in, um, that that's what's in his game. So Zach did a really good job of of refining his game and figuring out what it was uh, that he had to do to make uh, himself successful. And I think Ilya Mikheyev, um, if he's got the, the the head for it, and it comes down to coaching as well, uh, I think they should be showing him tapes of Zach Hyman and say, look, you know, as uh, as Pavel Datsyuk always used to say. Um, and he was he's the Austin Matthews or the Mitch Marner in this equation. Okay, look, I want the puck all the time. Okay? Yeah, I want the puck. I want guys on my line that are going to get me the puck. So as much as you might want it, that's fine, but I want it. And I'm the guy who's shooting at the net 40 times a year. So if you want to play on my line, you know, here's what I need you to do. And this is what, what Sheldon Keith should be hammering home to Ilya Mikheyev. Because guess what? If Ilya Mikheyev dumps it in. He's got more than enough speed to win that race to the puck to get it back, create a cycle, and then get to the front of the net like Zach Hyman did. If he can do that, 
I think he can be a really successful player. And then you, you couple that with his penalty killing action, and it seems like he gets three breakaways a night shorthanded. Oh, I mean, oh yeah. Even if he doesn't shoot in the net, twenty uh, percent of the time, that means like you know every now and again he'll give you a short, which is good. And then yeah. he becomes a really, a really useful, uh, really useful player on the team. So I think the the opportunity is there. Um, if he has a willingness to buy into the program, and I think too, coaching will be really important to to just chant, essentially put blinders on the horse, so to speak. Channel in. Here's what I need you to do. This only this. Execute that, and you will be successful. And by and large, we'll all be in a good spot. Uh oh, Dave. I checked, and we're both optimistic. Oh no. Mm. Well, I don't know <laughs> if I'm optimistic. <laughs> I, say out, I say I'll lay out the recipe for what needs to go right, whether it'll happen. Uh, that's why I got out of the prediction business long ago, Jim. We'll see how it pans out. Yes, we'll see. Dave, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Last minute of play in this podcast. Well, thank you, Mike Ross. That means the time budget is in play. Time now for a quick Yes Guy, No Guy on the way out. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. So many possibilities here. New assistant coaches, all kinds of people auditioning for the left side on the forward unit, and a new goaltending tandem. Is this a yes guy? Oh, it's a yes guy. The last thing you wanted to do was bring everybody back after that disappointing exit to Montreal. You need new blood in this team. You need new optimism. People that are searching for the answer as opposed to those who couldn't find it before. That is an emphatic Yes, guy. Yes, guy, no guy number two. The Leafs are right to only deal with the elimination last year as opposed to the 54-year Stanley Cup drought, and literally everybody in the Leafs operation was not alive the last time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup. It's an emphatic yes, guy. Short-term memory. Just go with what didn't work last year for those that are on the team, and for those that have been added to the team, who cares? You move forward. So that's an emphatic yes, guy. And yes, guy, no guy number three. You are confident in the Leafs' core players. Oh, that's an emphatic yes guy. You know what they could do. They've done it before. Hasn't happened in the playoffs, mind you. But during the regular season, no issue. And my money is on the core players to figure this thing out. It's an emphatic yes guy. I hate to be too positive, but it is the start of training camp. There's nowhere to go if you're negative. Hope you enjoyed Episode 57 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for Episode 58.